0: Sarah at Positive Living Vibrations and today I have Maxine Brown and we're going to be talking about going from roses to thorns overcoming domestic abuse domestic abuse is something that has been around for a very long long time and really it's only in the last hmm, maybe 50 60 years or even maybe not even that long that we've actually looked at spousal abuse as abuse um it used to be once they put that ring on your finger they owned you and they could do anything to you or with you those times have changed folks and if you're in an abusive relationship, please listen to the show today because we can help you overcome. Maxine Brown is the author of Years of Tears. She has dedicated her life to increasing understanding of domestic violence and how to enjoy healthy relationships. In her workshop, she tells stories of abuse and recovery that will inspire you to press that you know, to erase the past and embrace your present circumstances to create the life that you want for you and your family. She went from one husband who was a drug dealer to marrying a minister, thinking that now she was safe. Little did she know, and it became a 10-year journey that was pure hell. But because of this journey, today you can benefit from her experience and hopefully stop that cycle before it even starts. So without any further ado, let's bring on Maxine. Hello, Maxine. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fabulously. So from a crack head or a drug dealer to a minister uh, you probably thought that you had it made
1: you know i really did i uh i i couldn't even believe how lucky i was uh, i was i was thinking i was going to be marrying this wonderful person and he made these incredible promises to me he said that we were going to be a wonderful happy family and i had been a single mom with two kids struggling to make it so this sounded like Wow, this this is the answer to my prayer, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah. But it didn't turn out that mm-hmm. way. Well, how about we start with the first husband? Because clearly okay. you repeated a pattern without knowing it. So you know, what was the first husband like and you know, where was he abusive? Um, he he was just like he was
1: just like my dad. You know mm-hmm. how they say you marry your yes, dad?
0: Yes, I Well
1: did. he <laughs> <laughs> He was just like my dad. And um he little by little had, uh, he thought he could make some easy money uh selling drugs so he wasn't a drug user at the beginning but you know when you uh start messing around with something sometimes it's like standing on the edge of a muddy slippery bank and then you fall in mm-hmm. so uh little by little he began to be addicted to his own product and uh he was um using cocaine and then he started freebasing <laughs> And then there were the women, mm-hmm. and it was a big mess. Uh, he was volatile, he was violent, and it was terrifying. And so after, I stayed for six years, and it just got worse and worse and worse, and then I thought, uh, this is crazy, I've got to get out of here. And uh, so I, I left that relationship. And I was alone for um 5 years, 6 years before I met the next person. So this was a repeating pattern for me. I mm-hmm. uh, even before then, I had picked abusive men, you know, over and over and over again. And so that's why I didn't date in between mm-hmm. my husband one and husband two because I just knew I wouldn't have a good judgment and I would, I would make a mistake
0: again. Did so, you at then, that time put it, uh, you know, the fact that it was your father? That this was a pattern, you know, behavior learned?
1: I didn't, uh, I did notice the similarities between my first husband and my dad. He wasn't violent, but he had a lot of other, uh, similar personality characteristics. Um, but I didn't realize that I needed to change myself really. Mm -hmm. I just thought, oh, look, I married my dad. I -hmm. didn't notice that part, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize I needed to really work on myself around that whole issue of the relationship I had with my father, Right, Um, which I did. I did need to work on that, but Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it at the time. And I just thought, well, if I met the the next person, if I meet a nice person, it'll all be okay. You know, because I kept, I was convinced it was the person I had chosen to marry that was the problem. Yeah. Right? So then through my job, I met uh, John, and um, he turned out, he was a minister, mm-hmm. and I, he was from the same background I was, the same kind of a church I was from, and so he spoke my language, and I thought, wow, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. and um, I hadn't dated, and then I wrote him a letter, and I said, you know, I think now, if someone asks me out to dinner, I'm ready to go on a date with somebody. I could go out to dinner with somebody now, and he sent me an 18-page marriage proposal by Federal Express that arrived (laughs) the next day. (laughs) Now, now that's that's crazy, right? Overkill? We were were like (laughs) casual acquaintances. We were... We were writing letters to each other, but it, we weren't dating in any sense of the word. It was just someone I had met that I was exchanging letters and postcards uh from another country. And we were just having casual conversations. And here I get this marriage proposal. Well, he spoke my language mm-hmm. in the marriage proposal. Mm-hmm. And he said, you are my missing rib. Mm-hmm. You, It is our destiny. You know, all of these things. And... Um, I said yes. Now, I know that sounds crazy. But, you know, when you um, live by faith yes. and you're trusting God, sometimes you do things that other people around you don't exactly understand. So all I'm saying with that is, at the time, it made sense to mm-hmm. me. And I thought I was doing the right
0: thing. You also thought in the background, you know, that, you know, who he was and what he represented, you know, kind of meant that you were safe, right? That's what I thought. Mm-hmm.
1: And, of course, he reinforced that with all of his words. Yeah. But, you know, in a long-distance romance, anyone can say they're anyone. Yes.
0: And you can't tell from far away. No, nope, you need to have you that know, time with them to see them off guard uh, and how they react to situations to really know who they are. Yes, and who is
1: their family,
0: mm-hmm. and what's
1: their mom like? Do What are their siblings like? How uh, do they
0: treat their mom? You know,
1: Yes, all those things are so important and I didn't have, because of the long distance, I didn't have any of that to go by. Mm-hmm. So I just went by my faith and his words and I believed everything he said.
0: So, into the marriage you went with two children and you... you...
1: Yes, and we started having trouble right away, mm-hmm. almost immediately. Um, my children were upset, first of all. That i That's the first thing I remember noticing. And they were saying, Mom, he's mean. Mm-hmm. Mom, you know, he said we did something. We didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I was very confused. I was working full-time. He was home full-time. So, you know, uh, I, I, I could understand why a teenager would lie yeah. because they're trying to get out of trouble. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand he had a motive for lying. Mm-hmm. He was trying to... Get rid of my children, right? you know, or take control of the situation. And uh, so he was lying the whole time, which I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't see why he would lie. Now I completely yep. get it. Yep. He was trying to take over. He was trying to take control of everything in my home. And my kids were, like, rebelling against that.
0: Mm-hmm. And Good for them.
1: So it them. makes sense today. hmm Makes sense today. It
0: does. It does. And of course, you know, to throw your kids from having you for five or six years on their own, uh, you know, to suddenly being launched into another relationship of somebody they don't know. You know, so you know, that's also pretty hard on them. And then from because he came he came
1: from another country. Mm -hmm. So when he came, he didn't come to take me on out to dinner. When he came, he moved in. Mm. So from, you know, I went straight from the airport to now this person, this stranger, is here full time. And we were married 13 days after the airplane landed.
0: Where was he from? He was from Mexico. Right. Right. And you never managed to get down there to see anything to do with his family or anything else?
1: Not until mm. later. You know, several years later mm-hmm. we went. But uh, no, before I married, I had never been to Mexico before. Right.
0: Right. Ah, Do you think it was a green card thing?
1: Uh, I think it it may have had something to do Mm -hmm. with that. (laughs) It may have had something to do with that. Um, And also, this was his pattern. He was a controller uh, from what I heard of his his first wife. Um, He was a controller. So he was just repeating his pattern with the next person who just happened to be me.
0: Yes, and because you hadn't yet dealt with your pattern of accepting, you know, um, or raising your own vibration of uh, your own value, you were still resonating at other value with because you hadn't yet worked on that. So he he tuned right. into that. Had you been somebody that was living in your own value and worth fully, um, you know, he wouldn't have stood a chance because you would you would have right. had that vibration and gone no. So hence the reason why you needed to do the work. And clearly, obviously, you did after this relationship. But let's talk a little bit more about this relationship. You had a child together with him?
1: Yes. Yes, I did. I got pregnant almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's another thing. You know, uh, this kind of a man, they want you pregnant right Mm -hmm. away. And I got pregnant right away, right away. And we had agreed over the phone before he came that we were not going to have any more children. He had three in Mexico. I had two here. Right. That, that's funny, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right? And I was—I um, was not young anymore. I was uh, forty. Oh, I don't know, mid forty. No, I was around thirty-nine. I was thirty-nine. I'm sorry. When I had my child, right. so um, I wasn't. I was thinking I was halfway done raising kids. I didn't want to start all over yes. again, but. Anyway, we did.
0: Right. And it's never the child's fault. They're always a gift no matter how they come to us.
1: Yeah. Yes. She's lovely.
0: That's good. And so hard for her, obviously, to know the history of her father. And you know, hard for the other children to know that their father is the way he was. You know, for, for kids, it's, we get the, the abuse, but the kids get the neglect or, you know, the, the, the of the, of, the uh, you know, that abuse, it's, it's hard on them because they're being taught to love their parents no matter what. And, yeah. uh, but here they see the parent being abusive. And, you know, they, and it's hard for them because they're conflicted. Should I love them? Or should I hate them? You know, is it wrong for me to hate them? Um you know well, how do I stand up to them, or do I deserve this abuse? I mean you're going through that as a as the mother, but then these poor kids have to go through this as well, and so they're not there to help you because you're not there to help them because nobody really knows the cycle- you know you don't know how to break your cycle so how right. you know you went on for well you as you told me earlier that um uh, the abuse then started on one of your daughters
1: yes Uh he little by little, was uh, trying to control them, and one of my daughters was a very strong-willed child, and uh, she did not, she was refusing to be controlled, there was no way she was going to let this man win, so she would fight back, mm-hmm. and so he would get more and more stern, and more and more cruel, and uh, so then he resorted to um, beating mm. her uh, with a, a piece of wood, oh. and he, He would make her get down on uh, her hands and knees and then he would make all the family stand and watch while he would hit her. Now, she said uh, that... um, She said, I always knew it was not about me. I always knew it was about you. He was like saying, look what I can do. You can't stop me. There's nothing you can do to stop me. I can do anything I want. And by the time he started beating my child, I... Had no voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been silenced. No one asked my permission or opinion on anything, mm-hmm. and I just was kind of—you might as well have hung a poster on the wall. That's all I was in that house.
0: I understand that, and and you know, a lot of people' reaction is, "Well, why don't you step in and stop him from hurting your daughter?" But they don't realize at that time you're so crippled by, not only by the fear. But as you said, you, you were not present in your own life. They've beaten the life out of you. And at that okay. point, it's just like, you know, don't make waves, don't make waves. He could end up hitting, you know, everybody. So, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's awful to get into that. You know, I lived eight years in my own marriage, non-existent in, in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just a robot, um, serving mm-hmm. the family. And so I know what it's like to lose yourself and, um, you know, Obviously you came back because there must have been a pilot light still lit in you to eventually fight back. But for a while there, you aren't there. Um, and no. you know, and you're in a totally different zone altogether. So from there, um, you know, how did you manage to kind of get your, you know, get enough spark back so that you could fight back? Well what happened
1: uh with me is uh my my kids wound up being driven away. He had cut me off from everyone. And then once he had me alone, of course the control didn't get better, it got worse and um the verbal abuse was completely off the charts. Um and I began to deteriorate uh emotionally and mentally. And because of our, our strong faith, at the time I believed that unless there was adultery, my only out from the marriage was uh, death, that I had to stay until death do its mm-hmm. part because I had made a vow to right. God. And trust me, he reinforced that belief system over and over yeah. and over again. So with no way out and uh, I could not go on, I started to plan my suicide. Oh, and I had uh, I was going to hang myself in the shed. So I knew how and I knew where. I just hadn't picked a day. And uh, so something snapped in me, and I remember having this thought. If God doesn't love me more than this, I love me more mm-hmm. than this. There's got to be another way. That new thought opened my mind to looking for other options because until that time, I saw no options but death. And so um, I started asking questions, you know, what could I do? And uh, I went to talk to someone and she said, come here. If she had not said come here, I don't know what would have happened because I could not Mm -hmm. go on. But she said, come here. That was a Saturday morning. I left Tuesday night. I mean, it was just like as soon as I had a place to go, I was done. I was out. Um, and another thing um, that I had asked this person, All right, we'd tried counseling five different mm-hmm. times. You know, I kept thinking, well, if you can take a pill for it, if you can take counseling for it, I have to stay. Yeah. And she said, no, the, I, this person is never going to change. This is the way they are. And if it's not okay with you, then you have to do the next thing because you can't take a pill for a sociopathic <laughs> no. You know, <laughs> uh, kind of a thing, you know. You don't get over it with counseling by the time you're halfway through your mm. life. You're going to be that way. That's who you are. So um, she said there's no hope for change. So it was like, oh, I'm not going to waste my life on it. Right. I'm done. Right. And so I, I moved and, and then I started
0: rebuilding. And anyway. how, where did your kids go? You said your kids got taken away.
1: Um, my oldest child uh, left home at the age of 17, mm-hmm. Um, dropped out of school, took off.
0: Sounds familiar. Uh, my, next daughter, <laughs>
1: <laughs> my next daughter, uh, when she was 15, um, and, and again, this is the one who was beaten, mm-hmm. the strong one, and uh, I could tell she was going to do something. And I was afraid if I left her in that house, I couldn't control him and I couldn't stop him, and I couldn't stop her, and she was going to make a mistake that would cross some kind of a line. Mm-hmm that she would destroy yeah. her life so i moved her out to stay with my mom and that worked for a year and then she snuck out the window stole a car took off for florida i mean a whole mess and my mother said i'm too old for this i i can't mm-hmm. do this and then there was no other option she couldn't come back yeah, home so she went into foster care and she finished high school out in foster care so that's what happened with her. So those are my two older children who were then gone. And once they left the house, he made it impossible for me to talk to them or see them. I rarely saw mm-hmm. them or spoke to them after they left home. And then I had the one child. And so we left when she was ten. Right. And uh and then we started over.
0: And good, thank God you did. I mean it's um it's sad about your other daughter that she had to be the, the victim. Um, of that, because um you know she's is the one that's also paid a very high price and you know hard to get over, how is she doing today?
1: She today is twenty nine years old uh, we have a, we have a good relationship um, it's not perfect. we have times where we still struggle in our relationship uh but uh she is working she mainly works uh as as a cook in restaurants and um, so that's what she's doing right now. Has
0: she been through the counseling to overcome what she went through, or is she ignoring it because otherwise she's just going to repeat the pattern
1: She went uh for a short time when she was uh in foster care and then she refused to go back mm. so um uh, you know when when she hits rough patches uh, from time to time i'll mention you know maybe it's time to go back mm-hmm. for counseling and um but she so far is choosing not to and my oldest daughter she has gone uh to therapy mm-hmm. too at the moment she's not going um but she has gone on and off uh for counseling because uh, it's it's you just don't get over this stuff no. i mean they were abandoned by their mother and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's, it leaves its
0: scars. Yes. And, you know, the thing it is we, we call them kind of the DNA scars. It doesn't matter how much you intellectualize or even how much abundant you live your life now. There are things that will trigger those memories yes. and that, that kind of that DNA memory will come up. Um, and, you know, it will trigger that kind of fearful thing again. And you feel that you're back in that position. And, you know... That is the fact of it, you know. That is the fact of it, and that's what we have to deal with. Um, but it's it's okay. Don't knock yourself up for you know for going there because that's just a memory. Deal with it and know that you're you're no longer there, uh, and that you've had right. the courage to move on and you're in a different place now. Um, but don't think just because that memory's come up now, you've become completely fearful of everything again. It's purely a cellular memory and, you know, move on, move on, and uh, keep seeking life. How did it affect your younger child?
1: I worked very hard. What what really I was the most uh, fearful of was that because she was raised this way and she knew nothing Mm -hmm. different, that she would very likely marry someone just like Mm -hmm. her dad. And so I used every thing that he would do that was a little off, I would use it as a teaching moment. And I would say things like, you know, uh, it's healthy behavior uh, to, when you're trying to reach someone by phone and they don't answer the phone, you leave a voicemail. And when they're free, they call you back. It is not healthy behavior for them to call and hang up and call and hang up and scream into the phone and insult you on voicemail. These things are not normal Mm -hmm. behavior so i would i would use everything as a teaching right. moment now t- today she's 18 years old she's moved back in with me cuz he he convinced her to live with him after uh we left and um she's back here she's doing very well she just finished her first year of college she's dating a really nice young man and um I think she's fine. Everyone in the family says, Oh, she's amazing, she seems so healthy right. <laughs> and I'm I'm just so grateful, yes. you know, that uh she doesn't seem to be dating that kind of a person mm-hmm. who's controlling or abusive. She she seems to have gotten um you know, maybe we broke the pattern or we broke the cycle. Because that was my And goal, you saw her you know?
0: even though he, he kept her, you saw her, you had access to her when you left.
1: Yes, I did. Yeah, with her, um, I had her, you know, we had a classic uh, visitation schedule, you know, alternating mm-hmm. weekends and alternating holidays. And even though he had her during the school year, I would have her one week on, one week off all summer. And we maintained that schedule up until uh she graduated. So
0: what she did get, she, she managed to see a different life with you and you being a different person. So when she did go back to him, She knew that what his behavior was was not right because she had a chance to, you know, know you up until the time that you left and know you now, you know, and who you really were and had that chance to see that. I mean, that's actually, you know, my own kids when they actually I was waiting for my youngest to be old enough. And then my son just came in one day and said, "Mum, I can't stand to see you so alone. You don't need to put up with this anymore. Uh, Divorce him. And I said, but I'm waiting for, you know, Tasha, my youngest to be, um, old enough. And I said, and she just came and I think she was 11. She said, oh, forget that. We don't need him. We're all perfectly all right. <laughs> you, you know, doing this, we'll support each other. We'll be there for each other. And, and I started the process, but when I asked for, a, for a divorce, he won't go. So we separated, but he still lived in the house came and went as he as he wanted to you know saw his girlfriend and everything else but he didn't want to let go but you know the interesting thing is is that when you know when I asked for the divorce he said I've lost control of you and that's the interesting thing isn't it it's the control not I love you or we've had three children we've been together for over 20 years you know it's I've lost control of you and I thought well there stands the reason for a divorce there stands the reason for it.
1: Isn't it something?
0: So it took two years before he finally realised. Yes, it's over and time to move out. Um, but you know, now we've been you know separated and divorced now for twelve years. So it's. Uh, I still see him when, you know family functions, but that's all I have to do, you know, with him. Um, and the kids, bless their hearts, they see their father for who he is, and. Uh, you know when he when he yells and screams and reduces them to tears, and he goes, "That is his issue." We love him because he's our father, but we don't have to like, you know, who he is or what he does to us. And they see him for lunch and dinner, but they, you know, they're not fooled by it. You know, um, right? They're strong enough in themselves to follow their own paths. And I'm very lucky. I'm extremely lucky with my children. Though my son did go for a little bit of a verbal abusiveness with as women around him for a while and that Mm -hmm. was the one thing he hated about his father but he started doing it and then till it kind of got that bit older really stepped back and started realizing what he was doing so uh, hopefully now the cycle has been changed and uh, we you know he can embrace that uh, love without uh, feeling that that control is having to be in there and i am seeing that in other aspects of his life so that is good. Good, good. But, you know, we, we have to understand that we do have to break that cycle. You know, with my mum, you know, it was different times. Um, you know, she said yeah. she couldn't leave because if she left, she wouldn't be able to take the children. There was no support for women that left with their kids. There was no, you know, financial support or anything else. And him being the breadwinner could just come and take the kids back from her and she would have had nothing. So, you know, she stayed because she had nowhere else to go.
1: I hate to say it, but I think that happens a lot of times still mm-hmm. today because there's not, you know, they can't, maybe they can't make it on their own. And sometimes they, they feel they have to stay because they they, they don't see any other option mm-hmm. for finance. Mine
0: was, you know, I mean, I didn't work a a full time job, I I really was a stay at home mom and did kind of jobs like my counseling and, you know, had other things going on. But he hated me. He liked me earning money, but he hated me working. Because anything Mm -hmm. that of course could give me any independence, and he never gave me um, a fixed um, household income, I would have to ask for every penny. I need gas today, I need food today, and they'll make you jump through hoops for it, and that was that form of control.
1: Absolutely. So
0: what are the kind of the triggers that we can pass on to people on uh, those red flags?
1: I think um, one of the very first things that you're going to see is very often these guys come with a whirlwind Mm -hmm. romance. It's a very classic 1st red flag. It you're going to feel rushed to make a, a committed, you know, relationship with this person. Um sometimes they've only been on two dates with you and they they're starting to talk about marriage. It's very fast, very romantic. Sweeping
0: you off your feet. Um, yeah.
1: Absolutely because then you stop thinking. Yes. Once you've stopped thinking, then uh, you stop questioning your, their motives. You, you stop questioning. You stop
0: listening to your gut. <laughs> um,
1: right, they they take control yes. of your heart. Um, so another thing that shows up almost right away is they start talking about your friends. Mm. They don't like your friends. Mm-hmm. This friend or that friend, or I don't like you to hang out with so and so. Maybe they don't like your mom or your sister. So they're going to start to talk bad about your friends and family. And this is a classic thing because one by one, they're going to try and eliminate everyone from your life. They want all of yeah. you for themselves. Yeah. And so when you see that pattern, excessive jealousy, or they hate your friends, or they hate your your family, that's a red flag right away. Mm-hmm. Danger, yes. you know, slow down.
0: Yes, I've, I've been there. You know, even jealous if you're reading a book, you're not paying any attention to me. Right. Right.
1: And and what's wrong with reading a book? There's absolutely nothing wrong, right? But, but they will, that's the kind of thing. Maybe they have a hot temper, kind of unpredictable temper, and you notice that you're afraid to say things that would upset them. So when you start to notice that in yourself, you are scared. You are afraid of this person. And love should not be scary. Absolutely not. It's meant to be a
0: safe place. Yeah.
1: You should feel respected. You should feel safe. You should feel peaceful when you're in love. And so there's all this emphasis today on butterflies Mm -hmm. in your stomach. So here you're scared. Maybe the butterflies are a sign that you're afraid.
0: Yeah, you know, if they're, if a, not if they're, they're you're flying around screaming, listen to them.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. Yes. laughs> so we should not be afraid of someone we love. So if you're afraid now when you're just beginning to date well, a person, yeah. it's only going to get worse mm-hmm. later. He's on his best behavior yeah, right now. Imagine,
0: if you're afraid now. Yes. Right?
1: Yeah, once he gets you home, yeah. watch out. So. Um, these are you know, some of the classic things that show up almost right away that you feel uh, limited. Mm-hmm. Maybe even this person starts to check up on you, show up where you are. Say you mentioned just in casual conversation that you're going to be meeting a friend tomorrow mm-hmm. for lunch. And then, oh, he was just in the area and he shows up at the restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? What that is really is he's stalking you and checking up on you he's trying to see who are you re- with mm-hmm. really
0: so there's no so trust that's a there. warning so sign. there's no trust there can't be love right right and yeah
1: so that's a classic red mm-hmm. sign um that something is wrong so it does he check your phone does he grab your phone out of your hand and see whose numbers are in there that's way, you know, uh, he's crossed the boundary. So these are the things that you want to just notice. Um, Does he talk about hurting other people? Mm -hmm. How he used to hurt this person or he he likes to hurt people. That's, he's a violent person.
0: Yeah, and you can tell the way somebody treats an animal. Absolutely. That would give you a huge indication of how they're going to treat other people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. How,
1: so, so an animal is someone is, is is something that's weaker. So any any way he treats something that's weaker, if you see that signs of meanness mm-hmm. or cruelty, that's a huge red flag. Stay away from that person. So these are kind of some of the things you just want to notice. If you see any of these things, this is not a good thing he's probably going to be
0: abusive. And also, ladies, please understand this. And gentlemen, too, because we're talking from a woman's perspective, but there are many men that get abused by women as well. So this is abuse across the board. Both sexes are going mm-hmm. to do it. And, you know, a domineering woman um, that is aggressive can be sometimes far more scary than a man. You know, um, so, you know, if this is for anybody in abuse. But please understand this. If they take a hand to you, or if they browbeat you, like, you know, verbally abuse you to such a point that you have broken down into a pulp, this person, it doesn't matter how much they say they, how sorry they are, how much they love you, how many flowers they buy you, how much they beautifully make love to you, they will repeat it. They do it once, they will repeat it again. So please, if it happens just once, walk out that door. Get the hell away from them
1: absolutely absolutely yes why would we tolerate someone insulting Mm -hmm. us and calling us names i mean that's not uh that's not good behavior i mean if we wouldn't want friends to talk to us like that we sure wouldn't want this person who says they love us to talk Mm -hmm. to us
0: like that and you know think of your kids they're watching this behavior This is what they're learning. They're they're thinking that this is okay. You married into abusive relationships because you saw some abuse from your father to your mother. And you thought, it's you know, morally or intellectually, you know it's wrong. But subconsciously, your beliefs, because it carried on and kept happening, you believed that that was okay. And so subconsciously, Mm -hmm. you invited it. Uh, You know, in my relationship with, with my ex... I had to take responsibility that I allowed the browbeating. I allowed this verbal degrading and abuse. And when I said no more and stood up and said no more and would not accept it anymore, the frustration from him is that I was not responding um, like I used to. I wasn't curled up in a corner somewhere. You know, I was standing tall and facing him. What I used to say to him is, if you have an argument, take it up with your mirror. That's the only one that's interested. Uh, And, you know, it it took some time because it took some time for me to find that courage uh, and to stand up to him because every time, you know, you see that thunder coming, you you know, you immediately start to shake. But the more that you do it, uh, you know, you see that you can break them down because, I was responding to him, so therefore I was fueling his desire right. to to abuse me even more. When I said no more to the abuse, that's when it came to his, oh, shoot, I've lost control over you. I can't make you afraid of me anymore. I mean, that is no relationship. That is no basis for any relationship, in uh, whether you're married or living together, or, or even friends, folks. This is not just to do with your spousals. This is also to do with friends. Because if friends abuse you, then they're not friends. Abuse is wrong right. from the word go. And place the value on yourself as to no longer accept it. And it is a hard one, isn't it? It's a hard one to place that value on yourself after you have been so beaten down. And as you said, you were non-existent in your own life. And to come you know, exactly. to come back from that and then place a value on yourself that you can stand tall enough to walk away. What did you do? To get yourself back into your own life, to place that value on yourself to be able to walk away?
1: I think, uh, I think really when I, when I, when I decided I was going to live instead of die, die um, that was a crossroads. And I just took the next step. I, um, then I started to do just a couple of things. Um, one of them was, I couldn't control so much in my life, and I had lost so much. I I just can't even tell you. Well, let me just um, try. Um, We were ministers, so I had a position in my community as the pastor's wife. So when I left, I lost that. We had uh, created our own business, so we were business owners. And uh, when I left, I lost the business. Um, I had lost my children. I had um the relationships with friends and family everything was destroyed I had no sense of who I was mm-hmm. anymore so when I left I couldn't fix all those things but I could put my things away and so I put my things away you know I started to an exercise program to just try and become mm-hmm. healthy I would take I spent time in nature and would Take walks in the park, and I'd go feed the ducks, and I'd walk along the water, and uh, try and ground myself because of all these voices in my head. Who do you think you are? You're too stupid to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, um, all of this chatter in my head. I had to quiet yeah. all of that so that I could find myself again. And um, so then I, I started to make some friends and go out for coffee and just have conversations, you know, try and reconnect with with mm-hmm. people um, and to reestablish the relationships with my family. Uh, one thing I did was I started to call them once a week. I called each member of my family or I would see them in person. And at first, we had nothing to talk about,
0: mm-hmm. trust me. Yeah, two worlds apart. <laughs>
1: um, right. So um I I just started from nothing and uh then would make that phone call once a week and so little by little uh we reestablished some kind of a relationship and fo- found things to talk about and found some common ground and started building those relationships mm-hmm. back up. And um uh, then uh, one time I uh took a vacation by myself. You know, one of these things. Come and see my timeshare, yeah. and you get three days in Done done that.
0: <laughs> so I
1: thought, <laughs> uh, I thought, all right, I'm going to do that. And I took that trip by myself because I didn't know who yeah. I was anymore. And so on that trip, I would just—I uh, didn't have to ask if they wanted to go. Do you like this? Do you like that? Do you want? I did only what I felt like doing. And so I found some antique shops and I went to a wildlife pres- uh, preserve and I I took rides along the seashore and I went to Atlantic City and walked through the Trump uh, casinos just to look at the architecture. And I, I did all kinds of things um, reconnecting with what do I like oh, yeah. to do. You know, I wasn't mommy. Yes. I wasn't somebody's I wife. Do. I wasn't somebody's possession all of a sudden I was trying to reconnect to myself yeah. and well, it's so, quite a journey isn't um, it those are some of the things
0: it's quite hard. a journey yes but it can yes. be such a liberating one
1: it was it was really wonderful and then another thing I had I had been terrified to leave him because I love to travel and we had done quite a bit of traveling, uh, during that marriage and I was afraid to leave. I, I thought, I was convinced I would never mm-hmm. travel again. So a friend of mine, um, said they were going to Mexico, which happens to be one of my favorite places on the planet now. And, uh, so I decided to go to Mexico with this girlfriend. And, uh, we went to Puerto Vallarta mm-hmm. and we, uh, did everything we could think of. And I was terrified to do it without him because he had never shown me the monetary system. I always was with him. He was leading me like a small child on the subways and this and that. So um, I now was the leader with my girlfriend who spoke Mm -hmm. no Spanish. And so we went all kinds of places, and I made sure that we were on boats and taxis, and the bus system, and any kind of transportation that was available, I was on it because I was trying to face that dragon, lose my fear, and gain more self-confidence in myself. And we had a wonderful, wonderful trip. And uh, that's one of the the pictures in the back of my book is me in Mexico with a big mariachi Mm -hmm. band because I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone, you know. And uh, so... After we had a dinner and the mariachi band got done playing, and there were, I don't know, maybe eight of them, and uh, they were in their little suits, you know, they looked fantastic. And so I walked up, up up to them, I said, could I have a picture with you? And so they put me in the very center of the band and took a picture of all these men, something that would have been so impossible. You should have sent it
0: to him. If I had
1: still been in a... <laughs> well, it's it's in the very back of my book. Is that picture? That picture to me is my Declaration of Independence. Mm. I took my life yes. back. I took my life back because I had completely yes. lost it, and it was a journey, but it has it has been a good one. And I think I'm a stronger person than I've ever been before. I have more self confidence, even though I still battle with my demons. little
0: mm-hmm.
1: demons mm-hmm. in my head. But uh, I still have more self confidence than I've ever had before, and um, and I'm, I'm loving life.
0: And that's what it's all about. Um, you know, the thing is, is that you're not going to be the person you used to be, and you don't want to be. Because that person is what yeah. got you into trouble in the first place. Um, you know, for me when I when I uh, got separated, I had five and a half years before I went into another relationship. Um and that five and a half years was exploratory. You know, I went on a cruise just for a week up to Alaska, but it was the first holiday I had had where it was just me. Just me worrying about me. And you know, I could just all I had to do was what am I going to wear tonight tonight for dinner? You know, and I didn't have to pick a restaurant. I didn't have to drive anywhere. I didn't have to orchestrate anything. Because, you know, when you go with a family, you're, you know, you're managing direct to your everything. Because you're, uh, Mm -hmm. I was always in charge of everything because he left it always up to me to handle. Um. So it was so nice just to go on to a holiday that I could, you know, read when I wanted to, talk to people when I wanted to, do what I wanted to do. And that was the first time in 23 and a half years that I'd had that luxury because before I married, I traveled extensively on my own and, you know, really, really did live. Um, so it was, I could never go back to who I was. I'll never be that complete free spirit like I used to be because you can't be, you know, there's too much that's gone under the bridge, so to speak, but um you do find a different person, a, you know, a different spirit within you, um, and it's a little calmer, it's a little wiser, it's a little deeper, and it's uh, a little um, less uh, spontaneous. Maybe, maybe we do think about things a little bit before we do kind of action on them. But it's a it's a nice place to be, isn't it? When you when you're yes, there, embracing is. your own self again, and it's um, and you're not beholden to anyone. You're living for right. your life. And, you know, with you being full now and you've being a you know, whole person, you're so much more abundant for everybody else around you. So, you know, for a woman who's coming out of this and maybe your children are being looked after by other people, you have to look upon that as healing time for you because you're still no good to your children broken. Find that time to heal and then you'll come back to your kids as this whole person and then you can start healing them but you can't heal them if you're broken as well.
1: I think it's so important that if you've had a nasty breakup, don't date. Yeah, anyone. no
0: rebounds, please. I've
1: heard oh, I've heard so many people tell me. I said, "How long ago did you uh leave this person?" 2 months, and now I'm dating and I'm like, "What are you yeah. doing?" It takes time yeah. to heal and find yourself again. All they're
0: doing is looking for you someone else to, to control alone. them. They're just going from one bully to the next. So mm-hmm. you have to have that time to, to discover who you are. And again, place that value upon yourself. Um, you know, live in your own worth and your own love. First, love yourself and then someone else can love you in that light. But if you're always looking to have somebody else's love to validate who you are, you will always make the same mistake.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But
0: you've remarried, haven't you?
1: I third time did. lucky, and and I
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: actually, <laughs> actually, he is such a wonderful man. He, he's a family man. He's he's so gentle and so kind um he's uh, just he's a he's a wonderful guy and and we're very happy um and we were um uh, I was alone for 5 years I didn't date anyone and then I met my neighbor and that's who who it was right and one of the hardest decisions um for me was should I change my mm-hmm. name because um I had been erased as a person i had lost my identity and I had this desperation inside of myself that when I got my divorce that I wanted my maid, maiden name back, right? I had to have my own name because I was fighting for my identity. And then here I was, I was going to marry, and was I going to change my name? And that was a really, really big decision mm-hmm. for me. And I was flopped for six months, you know, back and forth and back and forth. But I decided in the end to go ahead and, and do it, because it seems to me, you know, marriage is one of those propositions, you, you either do it 100% or mm-hmm. don't bother. So uh, I did it
0: 100%. And how long have you been married now?
1: Uh, we've been married just over a year, and we did live together a year before we got married, and he asked me to marry him uh, uh, right away, but I I couldn't, I was just yeah. terrified. I, I was terrified. I, I, it took me a while to warm up to the idea, and so I thought, okay, well, let's let's just see. I kept waiting for the crazy to come out. You know? <laughs> I thought, I thought I'm not in any hurry to make anything formal. Let's just see, you know, who you really are. And of course, there was no crazy. There was no crazy. And you
0: know, for for him, he's taking on somebody who's been wounded, who is looking for that crazy, who is living in distrust. You know, wanting to trust, but always, you know, distrusting the trust. And, you know, it it takes a nurturing soul um, to give somebody time and love and care and allow them to find that, that love and that trust enough to marry and to commit, you know, without the pressure. Because, you know, for someone to understand that this is where you've been, and obviously you're going to be married shy um, or even love shy. You know, that it takes somebody nurturing to turn that around to you. And be patient. You know, we're we're worth it. We definitely are worth it. Uh, But be patient with this because there is still that little bit of that trust level. We want to make sure that we're not going to be walking straight into that arena again.
1: And another thing I I did was uh, I told him this uh, conversation about domestic violence was something I was going to. I'm committed to this conversation to bringing more awareness uh to domestic violence in, in, to the public. And uh so I asked him if he would be willing to take a two-day training with me uh that is an introduction to domestic violence uh that was offered here in our state. And uh, we took that training together. And then it wasn't long after that that I wrote the book. And when I had it finished, I asked him if he would like to read it. And between the class... And between my book, he got to really Mm -hmm. see how the dynamic of domestic violence works, how it's all about control. One person in a relationship trying to take control of the other. Then he started to understand why I would be alarmed about this or why I would misunderstand that, right, in our, just our normal daily interaction with each other because then he could see, oh, this is what she thought.
0: She yeah. thought,
1: <laughs> and then it all started to make sense for him. Um, so I, I'm very lucky in that he said he he uh, is happy to go on this journey with me um, to teach other people about domestic violence. That's and really so, wonderful. Uh, he's yes, he's he's incredible, and he's my <laughs> roadie. And we we get, <laughs> he he's he's so supportive. He's he's and the kids get on well with he's really him. Really Yes.
0: Yes. Finally, they can actually... And that was another
1: thing I did. I I, ha- I screened him. I'd never done anything like this before, but I no longer trusted right. myself. So he hadn't even asked me out yet, but I could tell he was starting to come around, and I thought, uh-oh, this man is interested in me. So I invited him to our family's Thanksgiving, and without his knowledge, I went to each person in my family, and I said, Look, I'm bringing somebody to dinner I think is getting ready to ask me out. And before it happens, I need to know whether I should say yes or no. So um, check him out. Let me know if he's a <laughs> jerk. <juror. laughs> and, and so <laughs> so there he was with all these strangers. It was a really nice dinner. And uh, one by one, each of my family would pull me to the garage or out on the front porch, and they'd say, you know, he's he's really nice. Yeah. Mom." He's not a jerk at all. He's really nice. Where'd you <laughs> find him? I said, do I always date jerks? And they said, yes. <laughs> so I had pre-screened him before he even asked me out on the first date because I just no longer, I, I, I did not want to yeah. take a
0: chance. Yeah, we do second again. guess I ourselves and, right. and it's good then to pull other people in to, to see it from a different perspective and to make sure that you're not unknowingly kind of being attracted or drawn to that same person again so it's good to do that you know get your family involved um i'd like you to tell people about your book now what it's about how people can get hold of it
1: okay uh the book is years of tears and again uh my name's maxine brown and brown has an e on the end so if you don't add the e you won't find me Okay, so uh, it is a story of what happened to us. It takes you from the time I met John all the way through the abuse and how I recovered. And um, there's a couple of things I think that make this book unique. One is that I organized it around the power and control wheel, which if you know anything at all about domestic violence, it shows the tactics that abusers use against their target and they all do the same types of things there's one chapter in each uh dedicated to each of the categories of um the power and control wheel so how we cut me off from people isolation Mm -hmm. how we used emotional abuse so one chapter and then i go through our lives and i pull out the exact um things that he did using that type of tactic. I tell about the impact it had and the red flags I didn't see Mm -hmm. at the time. Now another thing that makes the book unique is that I interviewed my children. My two older girls were interviewed and they tell what it was like as a child to live in an abusive household. So they tell their own stories of what they witnessed, what they went through, the impact it had on them. And um, I think You know, you'll find a lot of memoirs out there, the woman telling about what happened in the marriage. But there are very few stories where the child is talking. So these are the voices of my now adult children looking back on those years saying what happened. And
0: very cathartic for them as well, very healing for them. You know, you let their voice be heard. It wasn't just all about you and your domestic abuse. It's the reaction the children went through and you let the voice be heard, and so it becomes something that's very healing for them.
1: Yes, and I, I think it's, it's important. Um, we also talk about, uh, like, all the people who knew and yeah. did nothing, what happened in the community, you know, um, because when one family goes through domestic violence, it doesn't just affect mm-hmm. one person. It affects their entire family, all their friends, and whatever community they form a part of. So we talk about the impact on the community Um, and then what it took to recover and some of the things that we had to deal with uh, as we were going through our healing process, Um, setting up safety measures, how can we keep ourselves safe, how can we keep ourselves from being re-victimized over and over again. And so I go through all of that. So I think there's a lot of information for uh, someone who's going through it or maybe if you have a sister yeah. or a cousin or a coworker who's going through it you will get into the world of an abuse victim by reading this book and you it'll help you understand why is this person making the decisions they're making? Because when you're looking at it from the outside, none but of it But also makes helping
0: sense. how to approach them and how to help them, because very often they're in their own denial. Yeah. So this is a, a way of being able to help other people. So we're running out of time here, Absolutely. sweetheart. So please can you let everybody know how they can get the book. Um, it will be in the storefront on plv-radio.com, but also how people can get hold of you and um, a quick synopsis of the programs you're doing, because we are running out of time here.
1: Okay, uh, the book is available on Amazon, and there's a Kindle version, um, so it's uh, Years of Tears, Maxine Brown on Amazon, and also in the UK, it's a, there's a Kindle version, and um, I offer uh, classes and workshops on the dynamics of domestic violence, of why a woman stays in an abusive relationship, and, and that kind of thing. So I'm happy to uh, talk to your organization anytime you'd like. And you can reach me at Maxine Brown at DV, domestic violence, DV-recovery.com.
0: And that will all be on the site again um, under her bio, and uh, I think this is an enormous topic. Um, I'd definitely would like to have you back again on a round table forum um, because this is a topic that um, really we cannot brush it under the rug, folks. We can't ignore it. Um, if you hear your neighbors or anybody else doing this, sometimes the abuser has no idea they're being abused. Sometimes the even the abusee, the bully, uh, doesn't really realize they're abusing because it's a pattern that they're repeating. Dad did it. They're going to do it. Um, And they don't realize it's wrong. And it's up to us to kind of intervene and uh, re-educate. And for definitely to say to people, no, this is not the definition of you. You have every living right to stand up and say, no, I will not take this. And respect and love me in the light that I love and respect myself. So thank you so much for coming on today, Maxime. This has been absolutely wonderful. And um, I thank you for this very, very, for your courage for taking this journey and then turning it around, being able to teach other people so they don't have to go through it themselves.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me on the show and I look
0: Wonderful. forward to coming back thank again. Thank you so much. Good job, folks.